As we continue in 2 Timothy, uh, we're looking at pictures that Paul gives us of how to be a Christian. And last week we looked at the soldier. Today we're going to look at the athlete and the farmer. And kind of the characteristic all three of those have, and, and mothers have too, is there is a sacrifice of self to achieve a later goal. And, you know, mothers are ones that sacrifice much time and self for their children so if they would be uh, adults that they need to be. They really do. Uh, we look at, uh, of course, our president, great president, uh, Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln would often say that all he was, he owes to his mother. Uh, let me just share what Joe Wheeler says in uh, Lincoln, A Man of Faith and Courage, his experience. Uh, he says, child psychologists tell us that half of what we learn in life comes by the time we're six and that our sales are usually set for life by the age of 12. Therefore, these early years of Abraham Lincoln's life from his birth to eight, in 1809 to the time he turned 21 are crucial to his faith and to our story. What we discover is that two women, both unassuming and dedicated, loving and devout, made possible Abraham Lincoln as we know him. Uh, Nancy Hanks Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, Abe's mother, and Sarah Bush Johnston Lincoln, who became Abe's stepmother. Interconnected both in spirit and faith, accomplished this quietly, moment by moment, patiently answering each of young Abe's questions as it came. They were never too busy to grant him that bullion of the universe, time. Uh, and both his mothers, uh, when Lincoln was nine years old, his birth mother, uh, Nancy Lincoln, would die. Uh, you know, times were difficult. We don't realize that. Uh, where he grew up, the average family would have 14 children, half of which would die in childbirth or by the time they were teenagers. Uh, so at age nine, his mother died. Uh, his father, Tom Lincoln, would marry uh, within a year to two years just to keep his family together uh, and to make struggle on the pioneer and his second wife would just would have as big an influence on Abraham Lincoln as his birth mother. And uh, Wheeler writes that uh, his birth mother, Nancy Lincoln, uh, told Abraham before she died, she said, I'm going away from you, Abraham, and I shall not return. I know that you'll be a good boy, that you'll be kind to Sarah and to your father. I want you to live as I have taught you and to love your heavenly Father. And such was the influence of a mother on a great president. Well, let's turn to 2 Timothy, second chapter, and let's look at our other two images that Paul gives us. Stand with me as we read our couple of verses here. We see the soldier in verse 3. To endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then we see in verse 5, the athlete. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is, not, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. To the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding 
in all things. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for these vivid pictures Paul gives us. And, and Lord, just help us to look at the depths of meaning that are really here for us as your children. How we can be your servants, what we need to be. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now, athletics were important in Paul's day. Uh, they're certainly important today, aren't, aren't they? We have more events. We have sports figures. We have different sports. Uh, TV is dominated by it. There's always something on TV dealing with sports. Uh, you know, it, it's a guy's paradise. Olympics were big in Paul's day as they are today. Uh, we're in Olympic season, uh, getting ready for the Summer Olympics coming up. And we see here that Paul tells Timothy, strive for masteries. And that word that phrases that, strive for masteries, is a Greek word from which we get our English word, athlete. Uh, it's aletheo, aletheon. And from that comes athlete. And Paul is telling us that there is a striving as an athlete. In fact, that word athlete or athleo means to, con to contest, to contend, to wrestle, to struggle. And, and the thought is of a struggle that requires great effort and determination to win. You see, an athlete strives to win. Uh, recently, the NFL had their draft, and I can't remember the guy's name, one of the top picks for a quarterback. When he got to his team, uh, he made the statement, I am here to win a Super Bowl. Uh, we don't ever hear of a quarterback drafted to say, I am here to lead my team to the bottom of the division. They don't say that. They're, they're there to win. Uh, when a guy gets ready to run a race or a track meet, he's there to run to win. We don't hear these guys getting up in the track field in the Olympics saying, you I hope to get to fifth place. That's what I'm shooting for. No, they want to win. And, and that's the uh, wording here. And many times, it may not be the most talented athlete, but it may be the one who is most determined and persistent that will win. Strive. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the great NBA player that just uh, recently retired, is interesting to look at his preparation. Uh, many times before a game takes place, he will be on that court four hours before the game. Uh, he likes to be out there by himself, uh, mentally preparing, look at the court, and he'll do his practice shots warming up. He does 20 shots below the rim with each hand, 20 for each hand. Then he'll step out to mid-range uh, and at mid-range and, and the baseline and the free throw line, he will shoot 15 to 20 additional shots at each of those spots. He then will move to the three-pointer range uh, from the wing, the top of the key, to the corner, and he'll do another 10 to 20 shots at each position. So by the time he's done, he's done about 250 uh, shots to the basket four hours before the game. A lot of people never see that. Uh, then he comes out with his team right, right before, and they'll just do some little warm-ups, and right away he is spot on, uh, ready, ready to play. On off days, he will uh, go to the same positions 
and he will shoot 50 shots from each spot. So when he is done, he will have shot 500 to 1,000 jumpers in an off-day practice. And that's not counting his personal fitness of weightlifting and working out with his team. That's what he does personally. That's a champion. And that's why he's good as, as he was. Because he strove and put the work into it. Uh, Paul is telling us to be no less in our Christianity. That we are to contend because we are in a struggle. Uh, we're we are contending against a number of things. We're contending against the flesh. I like that saying, uh, we have met the enemy and he is us. Uh, many times we're our own worst enemy and shoot ourselves in the foot. So we contend against the flesh. We also contend against the world. Paul exhorted the believers in Rome. Uh, remember, Rome was a worldly city, cosmopolitan. And he tell, told them, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, John, in his letter, he tells his readers, love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, so we contend against the world. And the Bible tells us don't get comfortable. And we also contend against Satan, the evil one. A battle's not just against flesh and blood. And that's what Paul told the believers at Ephesus where Timothy is serving. That we fight against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are the things we contend against. And we are to strive. So every day, we need to train, we need to pre prepare, we need to contend. Evil never takes a day off. And neither must God's people. We should never take a day off from our Christianity. It is deadly if we get up and think, you know, today I, I'm going to take off a day from being a Christian. And we got Christians that take day after day off and week after week and month after month and pretty soon they get pretty flabby in their spiritual life. Don't do that. Stay in training. And if you're out of training, get back in it. Now, there's also a striving according to the rules. And that's what Paul uh, says here. Yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So to win a prize as an athlete, you've got to compete according to the rules. Now, in Paul's day in the Greek games, every contestant had to meet three qualifications. Uh, one, they had to be a true-born Greek. Second, they had to prepare at least 10 months before that event and to train for it. And they had to swear before a statue of Zeus that they had done that. Third, they were to compete according to the specific rules of the game, that event. 
Uh, if they messed any of those up, then they were disqualified. They're out. So to be a victor in the Christian life, we have to follow the rules. Now I'm going to make this really easy. Two of them. Be a Christian. That's the first rule. Be a Christian. Truly born again. Have a salvation experience. In other words, we need to believe in the heart that Jesus is God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, lived as one of us, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died for your sin and my sin, and rose again and forgives me. And that he is resurrected and will give me eternal life. And then we confess that with our mouth. Believe it in the heart, confess it with the mouth who Jesus is. That's the first rule. And then the second rule, be a true disciple. Faithful in study of God's word and obedience and prayer with our Lord. That, that's abiding in Christ. Dwelling with him. A true disciple will, will do that. Be in his word. Be obedient. And be with God's people, the church. Love the church. Isn't it interesting? Jesus at the Last Supper, in John 13, he gives his disciples a new commandment. You're to love each other as I have loved you. And then he makes this statement. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. There it is. That proves it. So, so Christianity is not complicated. Two rules. Be a Christian. Get saved. And then lordship. Follow in discipleship. Being obedient. You know, uh, sometimes I think we got a lot of guys out there making Christianity really complicated. I mean, we, we see books, 10 steps to do this, 18 for this, and another 28 for this, and on and on it goes. Man, it just can overwhelm you. But Christianity is really basic. There is no shortcut. There is no faddish way to do it. It's just basic. Get saved. Be in God's word. Walk with Jesus. That's it. Two rules. And you'll win the prize. Uh, William Barclay, he points out that uh, the words, wording here is describing a professional athlete. Not an amateur. This person who strove here was committed completely as a professional. As Barclay words it, his struggle was not just a spare time thing. It was a whole time dedication. And we need to realize that. We are not spare time Christians. We're in it all the time. All the way. So don't be a spare time Christian. Be the professional. Strive with everything you have. And that brings us to the next picture. The farmer. 
The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. How many kids do you hear saying, when I grow up, I want to be a farmer? I don't think I've ever heard a kid say that. I don't ever recall a kid saying, I want to be a farmer. I mean, that's just not really a glamorous thing. We don't go to the store and find posters of famous farmers <laughs> to hang up in our room, do we? You don't see farmers getting the Medal of Honor or invited to the White House. I mean, it, it just, just doesn't happen. But I tell you what, the farmer, to me, is the hero. I see enough celebrities I like the farmer. He's a breath of fresh air. Uh, Barclay calls the farmer the toiler of Christ. And in Paul's day, a farmer would be paid with a portion of the crops that he helped to plant, cultivate, and harvest. That was his paycheck. And the hard-working farmer received a greater share of the crops. He had received the first fruits, the, the best part. A couple of things we can draw from the farmer. The farmer is a hard worker. The husbandman that laboreth. A husbandman means tiller of the ground. Laboreth means hardworking, toil. Some translations will put it that way. But that word labor means to toil intensely, to sweat and strain to the point of exhaustion, to become weary. So, so it's to work hard to the point of being weary. And the work of a farmer, it is hard. Uh, he starts time-wise early, and works late. Farmers of today can, can work deep into night with uh, electrical lighting. But the farmer of Paul's day, he had to use every bit of daylight that, that was given to him. So when it was sun was rising, he was out there getting the work done. And he worked till it went down and darkness came. Uh, because no work could be done then. Sunrise to sunset, he worked. And he worked hard. Uh, once darkness came, couldn't be done. And we need to realize that as Christians, we have a window to work in. Uh, Jesus, when he healed the blind man in John 9, he told the disciples, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus knew he had a certain amount of time. And he's going to use every moment. We have today. Use it. Work it. Because the time of work, the time of ministry, the time of serving, it will come to an end. And that window is gone. 
Then the conditions. Uh, the farmer works no matter what the condition. He isn't a fair weather worker. You know, some Christians are kind of like that. Fair weather Christians. They get up and, and they look out and they see, well, there's a cloud out there in the distance. You know, it might rain. I better stay home from church. And the whole family's gone. I mean, there are people that do that. The farmer, doesn't matter if it's cold, hot, rain, drought, wind, he's going to be working. He's going to get the soil ready. He's going to plant the crop. He's going to tend it no matter what. No matter what the conditions. Weeds show up no matter what the condition. And so the farmer has to be out there. A lot of work. Uh, then it never ends. There's always something to be done. It's a never-ending uh, task. Now, it's interesting in pioneer days like Abraham Lincoln, uh, one of his responsibilities, you know, his dad was a farmer, and Lincoln had the responsibility to make sure that they had enough wood gathered for the winter, which would mean about, uh, about half a dozen different sizes of sticks and logs of different lengths uh, that were some they wanted, some that were green, some that were dry, some that were hard, some that were soft. They wanted kindling and, and brush. And then uh, once winter came, it was Lincoln's job to make sure that the fire never went out. You didn't have matches. They weren't invented yet. And if your fire went out, you froze to death. And so he kept the fire burning. That meant he never slept through a night. He had to get up all the time. That's part of being a farmer on the frontier. Hard work. And then the farmer as a worker, he's a worker of perseverance and patience. A farmer, exciting life? No. He deals with dirt, plants, weather. Real exciting stuff. There's a reason for that expression, watching the grass grow. You know, soldiers and athletes, at least they get some excitement on and off. The farmer, very rare. Uh, most of his hours are tedious, humdrum, unexciting. And most of the time, he is working alone. But he stays with it day after day because he knows a harvest is coming. You see, a farmer is always scanning the horizon. And he always looks to the future. Christian life is very similar. Oh, we'll have moments of excitement, rare. But the daily routine of being a Christian is, is often not attractive, not glamorous, just ordinary. And my fear is that Christianity today is so entertainment-centered 
that we are just net looking for the next dose and a bigger dose of excitement. We don't find that in the Bible. I mean, in our Bible study lesson today, we find a couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, that were blameless serving God. And they just lived day after day after day as a normal, ordinary couple. And then Gabriel showed up deep in the life. But all those years, day after day, just ordinary. Jesus described the Christian life in Luke 9. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the life of a farmer. Deny self. That's what a farmer does. He denies himself to get the crop where it needs to be. He can't go off and do what he wants to do in his time. The crop takes precedence. And for us, Jesus is the focus. Always. Take up the cross. Jesus knew what crucifixion was. It is told that when he was age 11 that Judas the Galilean led a rebellion against Rome. Uh, and he went and Judas the Galilean raided uh, the armory in Sephoris, which was about four miles from Nazareth. The Romans responded swiftly, burned the city to the ground, took all the inhabitants, made them slaves, and then the 2,000 that rebelled, they crucified every one of them and put them along the roadside. And maybe Jesus walked and saw that. Oh, he knew what crucifixion was. Take up the cross is to be loyal to Jesus no matter what, whether intense persecution or just humdrum ordinary life. In fact, sometimes ordinary life can trip you up. But stay loyal. And daily. How does a farmer win the battle? He wins it daily. Every day he gets out and does the work. He never skips a day. And the Christian life is one in the trenches of everyday ordinary living. Day after day. Don't overlook it. Don't despise the daily walk. You know, I love what Isaiah tells us. That they that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's where we spend our time, walking along. Don't despise it. 
How do parents and mothers make a difference? Daily, being the mom, a godly mom. Daily, being that godly father, that godly parents. How do we make a difference in the life of others, whether we're single? It's daily, honoring Christ. Whether it's a young adult, a uh, uh, young person, youth, middle age, or senior adult. Daily, we just serve the Master. Take up the cross, deny ourselves, and follow Him day after day after day, and the harvest will come. It'll be there. Got to do something. I'm going to ask our team to come back up. Jonathan and Sarah. We're going to sing, open up, open my eyes, Lord. And we just need to see the value of staying with it of just being that Christian day after day after day. And what God can do with that. And, and maybe we've kind of got lax on our contending. Today's a good day. Lord, I want to step back into the battle. I want to be that contender. Help me to get ready. He'll do that. Maybe you need to follow the first rule. Be a Christian. Today's a good day to do that. Firm up your faith. Make that commitment. Lord, I'm going to commit my life to you today. I'm going to ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be one of yours. I want to be a soldier for you. I want to be an athlete for you. I want to be a farmer for you. You come. Let's stand as we sing our song.